Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We exalt you in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm setting my faith in, in, in just expectancy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has been doing some amazing things in our services. Just the presence of God has been building. Hallelujah. Have you been sensing that and feeling your heart that God is doing something here? Hallelujah. I believe he's doing something in, in every church in this area. Hallelujah. I believe he's doing something that, that the Holy Spirit is leading people. And, and I, I'm just sensing that things are expanding. Things are exploding. And, and, you know, there's things that happen in the spirit and then they happen in the natural. I, I believe there's some things and ground that we have plowed. And, and there's things that we have set the stage for. And we are expecting extraordinary things. Hallelujah. And this Sunday, Annette's going to be ministering. I'm going to be out of town. But I know the Lord's directing her. Continue talking about making room and the glory of God. And man, and, and next week, I want, I want to encourage you, I, you know, as a staff, we're going to be, you know, fasting something, you know, um, next week, all next week, um, Dr. Savelle will be with us on the 22nd and the, and the 29th. And I want to encourage you, be fasting uh, next week. And, and I, I'm expecting when he steps in here as the apostolic authority of this church that, that, that he is just going to be able to flow as God would direct him to flow. Amen. Amen. So I'm excited about what's happening the rest of this month and here. And so be expecting. You know, we have everything to do with, you know, it was the children of Israel. I'm going to stand up here. So I mean, the children of Israel, you know, they were in bondage for 400. You're supposed to be in bondage for 400 years, but they were in bondage for 430 years. Well, did God miss it? God doesn't miss it, right? Well, the issue was it took them 30 more years to get dissatisfied. And it said, and it said when their groanings and when their desire in their heart rose before God, what did God do immediately? He sent a deliverer. And so God, like we've heard to say, God is not moved where he's needed. He's moved where he sought. It's where there's an expectation. There's an expectation. And you know, and I, I just, my, my desire is for people to know him, not, not just know about him, but experience him. Amen. Like they never have before in their life. Amen. Amen. And I believe that, that, that there's people in this community that need what we offer here in this house. A genuine, real encounter with Jesus, with the word of God. Amen. The love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's people in this community that need to know you and your friendship. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You ready for the word this, tonight? Go ahead and be seated and... Hallelujah. So just set your heart with us. Set your heart in agreement with us that fast something next week. Be praying every day. Hallelujah. Well, I've got three Bibles. So we, we I got three Bibles tonight. So we'll, we'll just, hallelujah. I'm going to start in, uh, now let's, let's start in Romans chapter 12, since that's been our uh, foundational scripture. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to minister the word, man. Thank you, Father. For the, it's an honor to stand behind this holy desk. Thank you for speaking through me tonight. Thank you, Father, we open our hearts, our ears to hear and receive what you have for us. To cause us to walk and live a life of victory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been on renewing the mind. Amen. And um, this is something that's so vital to, to our life of success. And, you know, there, there's some things, you know, I would, you know, I, I would often go back to and I'd, I'd either preach a message or study on a message and I would say, I wish I knew this when I first met Jesus. You ever hear messages that you're like, if I ha or had a revelation, you're like, if I had just known this like 20 years ago, do you have much hell I wouldn't have had to go through? Yeah. I mean, if you just knew how much uh, 
uh, I mean, things that I would have alleviated myself from if I just had understanding or had a different perspective of the word. And, and so that, that's how I feel about this, this message. I, you know, I wish the first thing that I was taught after I got born again was this whole aspect of renewing the mind. And because I think there was some aspect in my life where, where I, got, I got saved and, and all of a sudden I just thought life was going to be great. Because after all, you know, my mom told me to accept Jesus and, and finally I did. And so I figured, you know, there must be something to this. But I realized, wait a minute, there's, I'm, I'm, I still, I'm still battling with some stuff. I, I'm still dealing with some stuff. I, I still think. I still have thoughts that I don't want to think. And, you know, and, and so, and so where's this at? So, so anyway, this, this is such a, I believe a foundational thing, although, although it's, it, it, I want to go a little bit below the surface of renewing the mind tonight. So I'm going to get a little bit deeper with this, but I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to hit us all right where we need it this, tonight uh, to increase our lives. And Romans chapter 12 Verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed. Say that, be not conformed conformed. to this world. Say, to this world. But be ye transformed. Say, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say, renewing of your mind. So here he gives, this is a warning. You know, he says, be not conformed. Do not be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, as I was reading this today, I, I saw this so much more as a command. And I saw it so much more as, as a, an authoritative warning. He, here Paul is talking to the, the brethren here. He's talking to Christian. He's talking to believers, Gentile believers in Rome. And he tells them, don't be conformed to this world. Why was he telling that? Why? Because they were being conformed to the world. They were being conformed to the world. They were still allowing everything that was happening in society to, t- to still shape how they thought, what they did, how they acted, how they lived. And so here, don't be conformed. The word conformed, we've talked about is being molded into something. But when I look at that definition like this, it means to be similar to. It means to be like, or it means to be in agreement with. It means to be similar to, or it means to be like, or it means to be in agreement with. So when it tells us not to be conformed to the world, then this word for conform is don't be in agreement with it. It also says, don't be similar to it. Don't be like it. But it says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of our minds. So here, this is a warning and say, you know what? You need, you need a transformation. You, you need to be, you, you've been like this already. You've been similar to them already, but it's time for you to live different. It's time for you to be a, you know, for, in my case, you know, it was time for me to be a better man. It was time for me. It's time for me to be a better husband. It's time to, for me to be a better father. It's time for me to be better with my finances. It's time for me to be better. So that's going to take some sort of transformation. So here this warning that's coming by the Apostle Paul is don't be conformed to this. Don't don't be in agreement with the world. Why? Because if you're in agreement with the world, you're going to stay the way you've always been. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, I had, you know, I had a great, a, a great bringing up. I had, you know, I, I had a, you know, a great, a, a great childhood, but there was, but I know there was some, some things in my grandfather and some things in my father's life that I don't want to, I don't want that to be emulated from my life. You know what? I, I, I want to be like him. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And you see, it's what I give myself. So in the scripture, it's what we give ourselves. Hallelujah. It's what I give myself to that reveals what kind of life I'll lead. So if I give myself to the world, then you know what? That's the type of life I'm going to lead. But if I give myself to this aspect of being renewed in my mind, it's going to totally change the direction and the course of my life. Hallelujah. So let me ask you a question. Does it matter what we think on? Does it matter what you think? Hallelujah. Let's look, 
Isaiah chapter 42. I'm going to read this in the message. Isaiah 42, verse 18 in the message, and you can look at it on the screen. It says, pay attention, are you deaf? Open your ears, oh, I'm sorry, open your eyes, are you blind? You're my servant and you're not looking. You're my messenger and you're not listening. The very people I depended upon, servants of God, they're blind as bats. Willfully blind, <laughs> meaning they're choosing to be blind. You've seen a lot, but looked at nothing. You've heard everything, but listened to nothing. God intended out of the goodness of his heart to be lavish in his revelation. But this is a people battered and cowed, shut up in attics and closets, victims licking their wounds, feeling ignored, abandoned. But is anyone out there listening? Is anyone paying attention to what's coming? So here, what do we see here? He, God's speaking through Isaiah and he's saying, look, look, my people... My people, God's people, it said, it said they're blind and they're deaf. And he goes, even my servants, my ministers are blind and they're deaf. And they're not hearing what I'm saying. And because of that, all my people, they're hiding in holes. They're hiding in closets. They're hiding. And it says, why? Because, because no one's saying anything. No one's declaring anything. So they're blind. You know what? But, but not all of God's people. Now, this is what I want you to see here. All of God's people aren't physically blind. And all of God's people weren't physically deaf. So, so I want you to see, he's talking about a spiritual condition. So he's dealing with a spiritual condition that there's something wrong. He says, my people aren't looking. They're not listening. They can't hear. And they're blind. Spiritually, meaning, meaning things are going around them, you know, and they're just going through life. They're, they're, they're hidden in holes. Why? Because they're blind spiritually. You know what? Even though I had accepted Jesus into my life, you know, I was still that person hiding. Why? Because I was still blind spiritually, even though God had set me free. And so, so it's not this, it's not this natural blindness that he's dealing with. He's talking about a spiritual blindness. Go to second Corinthians chapter three. Say, open my eyes. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians verse three. Verse 14, it says, but their minds were blinded for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now get this here, here it says their minds were blinded. He's talking about the Jewish people, their minds were blinded, but yet it says the veil was taken away. They were blind because there was a veil but he said, the veil's been taken away. So even though the veil had been taken away, they're still blind. And like, once again, this is a spiritual issue, not a natural issue. It's spiritual blindness. Verse 15 says, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, that veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, that veil shall be taken away. All right, let's go to... Um, Chapter four, and let's look at verse three. But if our gospel be hid, it is to hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse four, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So here we see these two things. Here it says the God of this world has blinded them. So here, once again, we're talking about a spiritual issue. The God of this world has blinded them. So, so what? So that they can't see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Meaning their eyes are veiled to something. And because it's veiled, they can't see what they really have access to. They can't really see what they really have a right to because they're, the God of this world has blinded them. And what did our first scripture tonight talk about? Don't be conformed to this world. See, if I'm conformed to this world, the world's going to keep me from seeing what I truly have a right to in Christ. Right. 
Now, let's, I'm going to read in the Passion Translation. I want, I want to read Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Kelly, do you have the Passion Translation in there? Ephesians 4. Verse 17. You can look at this on the screen. It says, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Now, the word delusions in the Aramaic means opinions. It says, Their corrupt logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of the life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard this truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's given to you. Now get that. Now made new by every revelation that's given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. I want you to remember that, that phrase in new by every revelation that's given to you. So here he was saying they're blind because they're still living based on an old principle. All right. So I, I just wanted to I'm establishing a foundation. Okay. So just, just walk with me here. Second, go to, let's go back to second Corinthians three. So here there's spiritual blindness. They can't see because they're spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of God, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So here, a minute ago, he, and here he's talked about being blind. Now he says, he goes, what happens though is when we look at Jesus, we're changed. We're changed. Our image is changed. Our image is changed. You, when you get into, when you behold Jesus, it transforms the image that you have of yourself. And the issue is too often we're constantly looking at the world to find our significance. To find our value. But here it says, as I continue to behold Jesus in a, in a mirror, is really what it's saying. So, so it's not just looking through a glass. I'm looking at a mirror. What does a mirror do? It reflects a like image. So when I'm looking in the mirror that's Jesus, what happened is I'm, I'm allowing that image of Jesus to start to transform my life. See, this is the whole aspect of renewing the mind because you can know Jesus but yet still be blind. But here it says, as I continue to behold, as I continue to behold. Now, let's look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And so, so much in these two chapters, he, he really deals with this blindness in seeing things. And I don't have time to break down everything, but I want you to see this. Verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, let's see this now. All right, the things that I see are temporary. You know what? When I look at myself in the mirror, that's temporary because you know what? Is You know, we live in this world... You know what? And I have more gray hair this time, this year, than I did this time last year. You know, there's things. To, why? So, because there's constantly, our physical bodies are changing. And so, so you can see it. So, it, it's changing. You, you, man, we live in Texas. You look outside, see the weather today, it's going to be different tomorrow. Why? Because you can see it, it's subject to change. Anything that you see in the natural, it's subject to change. 
You see, when we talk about renewing the mind, I, I, I want to deal with the whole aspect of your imagination and, and how you deal with things. Because what happens when the enemy comes into your life and attacks your life, he, what he does is he drives you to a place of worry. He'll drive you to a place of fear. He'll drive you to a place of something. And, and how do you know when you're focusing and looking at the wrong things? How do you know? <laughs> no peace. Anger, frustration, fear. It could be a number of things. It could be depression. It could be hopelessness. It could be, could be pacing the floor. It could be a, a number of things. You see, you, you have to come to a place. When we talk about renewing your mind tonight, you need to come to a place where you see yourself victorious, whether you see it in the natural or not. You have to renew your mind to the fact that you are victorious. You know, I can't afford to think about my life any less than victorious. You see, the enemy will want me to think, oh, well, because I'm seeing in the natural. And if I just look in the natural, you know what? I'm going to be blinded to the eternal. I'm going to be blinded to what God sees. And I'm going to totally focus on what everyone else sees. But what did we just read? It says, the things that I see are temporary. But the things I don't see are eternal. You know what? You don't think in words. You think in images. Everyone close your eyes for a moment. You know, last year, Annette and I, we, went, we got to go to Northern California. We went to Yosemite. And when we went to Yosemite, man, we, we were standing, man, standing on the top of this, this ridge, looking out. And there was this waterfall. At Nevada Falls. And man, the water was cascading down. And it was coming down with such force. There was mist that was just coming up. And it filled the whole... Everything in this area was wet because of the mist. And, and you know, all the sides of the, uh, of the slopes were wet. And the stairs were wet. Our clothes, our hair was wet. And then all, and all of a sudden the sun came through. And, and all of a sudden you saw a rainbow that was going around the, go, going around the thing. So what, now open your eyes. You see, have you ever been to Nevada Falls? Anyone here? You've been in Nevada? Anyone else? You've been in Nevada Falls? You know what? You all just went to Nevada Falls. You might not have been there, but now you saw what I saw. Why? Because of the words that I just placed in you, you were to now see something different than you ever saw. Now, when you go to Nevada Falls, you'd be like, man, Pastor Justin told me it's just like what Pastor Justin said. Why? Because the words caused you to image it. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in the na- it's the same thing in the natural. When you get something in the natural, what's going to happen is is it's going to paint a picture, and it, it's going it, it's going to cause you to worry. It's going to cause you to fear. It's going to cause all sorts of things. So does it matter what you think about? See, when you we talk about renewing your mind, we're talking about renewing the images. In our mind and how we think about things. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through, man. Everything in my life was going good. You know what, Jeremiah? Now it's going bad. Well, if it was good and then now it's going bad. Well, could it be bad and then be good? You see, so you, you have to you have to start thinking of it in a, in a different perspective. Is it is it? If it was good and now it's bad, well, could it turn around and look different? Could it, could it be different? You know, see, when, I, when, when, you know, when you're going through something, you know, you know, sometimes when you're going through something, you need, you need to just shut your eyes and stop looking at how bad it is. You need to stop looking at how terrible it is. You need to stop looking at, at how, how bad you messed up. You, you need to stop looking. See, because if you keep looking in the natural, your situation is not changing. So sometimes when you're going through difficult times, you just need to lay in your couch and just shut your eyes. Why? Because if I'm seeing something in the natural, and it's, that's not going to fix it. What I need to do is I need to shut my eyes and I need to get a new image. I need to get a new image. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 17. It says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, Father of glory, 
may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So here, he wants our eyes enlightened. Remember, we're not dealing with something that's natural. It's not natural eyes. It's spiritual eyes. It's what you see in here. He wants our spiritual eyes open. Because I'm telling you, you will be controlled. Your emotions will be controlled. Fear will rule you. Everything will control you if you're constantly looking at what things are, what, what's wrong in, in your natural around you. The more you worry about it, it's not going to fix it more. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. So he wants our eyes open in three things. The hope of his calling. Hallelujah. The hope of his calling. What we have a right to. And, and everything he's made. The unlimitedness of his power and his ability. That our eyes would be open to that. So he wants our spiritual eyes open to the, the unlimited possibilities. What you have a right to. The hope of your calling. He wants our eyes open to that. Not veiled and not blind to things. So he wants our eyes open to, to that. So it doesn't matter what we think about. I... You know, thinking about this, I mean, there's a lot of stories I could go into and throughout the word with this. It matters what we think about. And, and because I, I thought initially when I heard this, I was praying over this, I immediately thought, well, just ask Cain. Does it matter what you think about? Here, Cain and Abel, they, they were both sacrificing something to God. And, and, you know, the one did the right thing. The other one did the wrong thing. And the guy, go, the God goes to Cain and says, if you do, if you do the right thing, he goes, it will be well with you. But instead of doing what he knew he was supposed to do, he was like, why, why does God love my brother and doesn't love me? Why, why, why did God receive his sacrifice and didn't receive mine? See, he's totally in the natural. He's totally worried about, well, how come, what, what about me? What about me? What about that? And well, God blesses him, but he doesn't do anything with me. And, and you know, and he's, and what happened is, is over a period of time, he was blinded because of anger. He was blinded because of, he felt slighted. He blinded because, well, life just isn't fair. And he was blinded by all these things. And, and finally God says, he goes, he goes, Cain. He goes, sin crouches at the door. He goes, do something about it. And he didn't do anything about it. What? He let the enemy control his thoughts. And finally he said, hey, Abel, well, let's go out to the field. I got, I got to show you something. And Cain came back by himself. Why? Because he was blinded by anger. Instead of, instead of, he wasn't able to see. Man, what, what, what was God wanting to show him? What was God wanting to reveal to him? But he couldn't see it because of the natural. He couldn't see it because of everything going on around him. You know, I thought of another, the next one I thought of, I thought of, I thought of in 2 Kings chapter 5. I thought of a guy named by the name of Gehazi. Have you heard of Gehazi? Oh, yeah. You know, here, he was, he was like the, he was like the, the servant to Elijah. I mean, he is like, he is like, like this with Elijah. You know, like the one of those powerful, like the most powerful man, God man on earth at that time. And man, they're, they are tight. And here, this guy Naaman, that was a Syrian, he, he, uh, he hears from a maid that was Jewish, that was captive and says, Hey, there's this guy named Elijah. You know, you got this leprosy thing going on. There's this guy down there in, in, uh, in, in Israel, Jerusalem. Hey, you need to go check him out because, you know, he, he speaks the words of God. And so here Naaman goes down there and he goes to Elijah's house and, and, and knocks on the door and, and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm here to speak to Elijah. And Elijah didn't, doesn't even come out. You know, Elijah's like just—he's in the back. Just, uh, I'm good. I don't—I don't need to see a king. I don't need to see a ruler. And, but he sends this Gehazi. He sends his servant out. And and Naaman was really angry. He was really upset. He said, "He goes. Do you know who I am?" And Elijah doesn't come out. He sends his servant to just wave his hand over me. 
And Gehazi tells him, he says, well, go dip in this river seven times. And, and Naaman's like, man, why, why would I dip in that river? Why, why not the, the Parfar River and this river? Why not? Because they were so much cleaner than these other, other rivers. And, and, you know, and, and the servants of Naaman said, said, well, if he asked you a hard thing, would you, would you have done it? And, and he goes, he just asked him to dip in the river. That's it. And so he does it. He comes out clean and, and he comes back to, to Elijah because he had brought all this money. He brought these talents of gold and all these clothes and all these things. Because when they traveled, man, these kids, they traveled, man, they traveled loaded down. They traveled with some stuff. And, man, and so, and so Elijah says, he, he tells them, it's not time to receive an offering. He said it's not the time to receive an offering. And, and, uh, and, so, and so he sends them away and, and Elijah speaks peace to him. So Elijah didn't receive his offering, didn't receive his money. That's probably the first time a minister didn't receive an offering, I guess. But, <laughs> but anyway, and so he, <laughs> so anyway, he, but anyway, Elijah goes inside. Some of you are just getting that. And Elijah goes inside and, and Gehazi just says, I got an idea. I have a thought. You know, I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. I've got, I don't, you know, and he says, you know what, I'm going to chase him down and, and I'm going to catch up with him. So he catches up to, to Naaman and Naaman said, he goes, he goes, there's some people coming in from out of town and my master wanted me to ask. There's some people coming from the mountains. They're going to come down and I want, I want, um, uh, you know, can, do you have, can you spare talents of gold and, and changes of clothes? And he said, sure. And he gave him the talents of gold and, and gave him that. And he comes back and Elijah, Elijah all of a sudden says, um, where were you at? He goes, oh, nowhere. Gehazi goes, not oh, nowhere. He goes, he goes, I was with you when you went. And he, because of that, he goes, he, and, and anyway, Gehazi ended up getting leprosy. Do you, you know, and the thing is, is, is maybe there was a reason why Elijah didn't receive the offering. Because Naaman had leprosy and leprosy is contagious. But yet, here he did these things. Why? Because there was something in his thinking that this must, the, the natural looked better. This natural idea, this natural choice, this natural way of doing things looked great. You read, read uh, several chapters over, several chapters later in 2 Kings, and, and you see where there was a king that brought 40 camels loaded down with goods to Elijah. So the offering that, that he let go, he got back a lot more later on. And what did Gehazi miss out on? Because he was blinded spiritually and he couldn't see. His eyes weren't open. And so when we talk about renewing the mind, it's, it, it's, it, it's not just a, a magic practice of, okay, I just need to renew my mind. Renew, no, it's something where you start seeing things differently spiritually. Eyes open. I, I see this in the positive. I see this how God wants our eyes open. I see this in, in the next chapter in Second Kings chapter six, where Elijah and all the, the men are surrounded. He's got this servant and they're all surrounded by this army and this military army. And Elijah prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. And all of a sudden the servant stepped back and was like, wow. Wow. He saw he saw angels. And the armies of God surrounding. And he said, there's, and, and all of a sudden he said, man, we can do this. Why? Because there's more with us than there is with them. Yes. See, that was, that's a change. That's a change. You could look in one instance and be fearful because all you see is the enemy coming at you. But this other side, have your spiritual eyes open and you can see the unlimited possibilities and the things that God has. You don't know what door God's going to open up tomorrow. You have no idea what job opportunity is just ahead of you if you could just stay the course. You have no idea what things and ministry that God could do in your life if you could just see things from God's perspective. If you could see things different. Yeah, you know, the word says weeping may endure for, for, for a moment, but I'm telling you, joy comes in the morning. So, so don't, don't allow what you're going through to control your image. You have to be able to see a different image. Go to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. Hallelujah. 
You see, I, I, I talked about sitting on your couch and choosing to shut your eyes, just close your eyes. Because when you look in the natural, everything looks so negative. And it's not just closing your eyes and, oh, I sure wish this would change. I sure wish you would do something, God. It's, it, it's, it's not just closing your eyes and wishing. It, it's to get a new image, you have to have new information. Let me say it again, too. To get a new image, you have to gain new information. Why? Because the words are what produce a new image. Right? Just because like I spoke those words, it produced an image in your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, there's a, I believe there's a scripture in Proverbs, and it, it talks about how our words... You might be helping me with Joseph. I'm drawing a blank on it. It says... How our words of pictures of gold and settings of silver. What does that mean? Our what are words, you know, and I, and I talk about I talked about this in, in a marriage thing one time when I was talking about how my words to my wife is what brings greater value to her. I add value to her by the words that I speak. And it's the same thing in your own life. The words that you speak out of your mouth and the words that you receive into your heart are what's going to raise the value in your life. Amen. So what, what, what things do you want to see raise up in value in your life? Amen. You're going to need to receive words and speak words. Now, I'm not talking about words tonight necessarily, but the power of words. But I want you to see this because this is so important. Because we need to change this image. And that's a part of renewing the mind. It's not just, okay, I wish this situation changes. No, I need to renew the image. And so when I'm laying on my bed, because I don't want to see everything happening negative, I need to get, I need a, a fresh image. I need a fresh image. And that's going to come with a fresh word. So let's look at this in Proverbs 29. And some people use this scripture in a lot of different ways and in... Let me show you what I believe the main context of the scripture is all about. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's a true statement. If you don't have vision, you're going to perish. Actually, the word perish there, actually in the original Hebrew, actually means naked. If you have no vision, you're going to be naked. You're going to be without. If you have no vision, you're going to be without. And so, so if I don't have a proper image, I'm going to be without something. So here he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You, you need a vision for your life. Yes, you need a vision for, for your home. You need a vision for your finances. You need a vision for this. But where is the correct vision built? We're talking about image. Image is a vision, right? So here it says, where there is no vision, people are naked. Where there's no vision, people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. But, see, he wasn't done talking. So where there's no vision, people, excuse me, perish. If you, if you, can't, if you, don't have, if you can't see the right things, you're going to be without. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. He that keeps the law. The word keep here means to hold on to. It means to guard. It means to tend to. But he who keeps, he who tends to the law. The word law here is not like the law like you were talking about breaking the law in, you know, out there, the speed limit law. This law here is Torah. And it is really the best way to look at this and to look at Torah is the way that God does things. If you look at the, the way God does things. So if you want to look at Torah, Torah uh, is, was the first five books of the Bible. So if you want to look at Torah, when I look at Torah, I see how God does things. I see how God created the heaven and the earth. I see how he created man. I see how, I see how things happen. I see how, I see the law of first mention. I see how sowing and reaping works. As long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. I, I see all the first principles of, of how God does things. So when it says he that keeps the law or he that tends to how God does things, happy is he. The word happy there is from two different Hebrew words. Then the, the root word means to go forward. The second root, the second part of that word means to be blessed. So I look at the word like this. If you don't have vision, you'll be without. 
But if you hold to the way God does things, you'll go forward because you're blessed. So that's what this scripture ultimately means. And so I need the word. I need how God does things. So when I receive, how, how do I know what God does? This word. This word, this word is what reveals to me how God does things without taking the time to go back to the scripture I started with in Isaiah. It said they're blind, they're deaf, they can't hear. And then it says something in the it says something else at the very end there. It says, and no one says what restore. Meaning my priest, my ministers, everyone's blind. And even my ministers are because no one is saying restore. Meaning they were prison, in prison houses and they were held captive. Why? Because of everything they could see. And so what he was saying, you know what? And my ministers aren't giving, giving them anything else to see. I want my ministers to say restore. Because when, when that word restore was declared, all of a sudden. Now, now just close your eyes for a moment. Think of something that, that you might be facing right now in your life that needs to change. And I say, restore. If I say God restores, if I say God restores what the enemy has stolen, if God will restore me better than I was before, open your eyes. You see, so if you're going through something negative and all you do is see the negative, you're blinded to what God sees. So, so, but when I close my eyes and I hear a word restore, okay? Yeah, this is going to turn around. This is going to turn around. Yeah, this can turn around. You know, God did it for him. You know what? He can do it for me. He did it for David. You know what? He can do it to me. When David was surrounded by an enemy, you know what? God can do it for me. Yeah, God forgave David. Yeah, God, God created in him a clean heart. You know what? God can do the same thing for me. So what's happening is, is as I have my eyes closed with a word, I'm, I'm doing that as a, as a, as just so, so you understand. You don't have to keep your eyes closed when you're doing it. But I'm saying what I'm doing, I'm painting an image. Amen. I'm painting a new image because in my natural, all I can see is this. But, but I, need, I need my heart to see a new image. And how am I going to see a new image when I understand God's word? Hallelujah. Go to Psalms 119. I still have a whole nother page of notes, so um, we'll see if we can. Psalms 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Amplified says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of the law or your word. Let me say it again. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things. You know, I, I, I was, when I was praying this I, and, and just praying over certain things, you know, in my own life and, and things and just seeking the Lord, you know, I, I, was just, I just closed my eyes. I could see in the natural this and I just closed my eyes. I said, Father... Help me to see, open my eyes so I see the wonderful things about this situation. Yeah. Open my eyes. Let's go to Psalms 19. Went from Psalms 119 to Psalms 19. There's so many more scriptures that convey the same thought, but Psalms 19, verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. So the law or the word of the Lord is perfect. I mean, there's no defects in it. Amen. And you know what it does? It converts the soul. So, so his word, it changes, it has the ability to change my emotions, my will, my mind, how I see things. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony, you say, the word of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes, all these statutes, law, testimony, they're all, it had to do, or commandment, it's all word. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
enlightening the eyes. So, so this word that I have has the ability to, in one sense, open my eyes in Psalms 119. And here it says it enlightens my eyes. So the word causes me to see things differently. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. This is just right now. Father, we ask you to open our eyes. Open our eyes. As we behold this word, I believe it would change us from the inside out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Open our eyes, Father. Open our eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can open your eyes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just give me just a few more minutes. Hallelujah. This word is so important because it what opens our eyes to see things differently. It opens our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to see how God thinks about a situation. Why is this word so important? We've got time for just three points. Hallelujah. Why is this word so important? Thank you, Father. First Peter chapter 1, and I'll be quick with this. Verse 23, it says, Being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I'm born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Why is this word so important? Because it's incorruptible. And it endures forever. Incorruptible. It has no flaws or defects. Meaning, meaning this word has the answer to whatever I'm facing. For all flesh is grass and all the glory of man is the flower of glass, the grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This word is the gospel. What is the gospel? It paints a picture of his goodness. What's the gospel? It paints a picture of salvation. What's the gospel? It paints a picture of healing. What's the gospel? It paints a picture of prosperity. The gospel, Jesus said, I preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted. So the good news, so it opens my eyes to, to see his goodness, to see his faithfulness, to see who he is. But it's all found in this word that's incorruptible. Why is the word so important? Because the word is incorruptible. It endures forever. The second thing. We can say it in First Peter, next, next chapter, First Peter 2, verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings. So I lay aside the natural way things, the way the world does things. And as a newborn babe desires the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. So I desire this word. When I desire this word, I desire the incorruptible word. I didn't desire the, the, the word that endures forever. When I desire that, it causes me to grow. You know what? You know, it causes your image of who God is to grow. It causes your, 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 your ability. It causes your faith to grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hear this word. Man, it causes my vision to grow. Thank you, Father. Go to James chapter 1. Get a couple pages back. Like I said, there's so many other scriptures we could go to. but So why is the word important? It's incorruptible and endures forever. Why do we do it? Because, because it causes us to grow. And the last one, James 1 verse 8, it says, Hallelujah. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. I don't use this word a lot. Superfluity of naughtiness. Really, wickedness. Hallelujah. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. James one twenty one, the Amplified says, So get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and a humble spirit receive and welcome the word. Receive and welcome the word, which implanted and rooted in your heart contains the power to save your soul. So I receive. I receive this word. Yes. And when it's implanted in my heart. It takes root in my heart. Yes. It has the power. To save my soul. Yes. It has the power. 
Hallelujah. It has the power. See, renewing the mind is not just, it's not just, just reading the word, but it's reading the word and allowing that word to open up your spiritual understanding to every possibility that God has for you, your life, your family, your calling, your purpose. Hallelujah. Renewing the mind, opening our eyes, and getting God's imagination about whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, and seeing it from God's perspective. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Meaning, let the word take up permanent residence in your heart. Hallelujah. And Isaiah 33, 6 says, This word, the wisdom of God, is the stability of your times. This word, it's, the, it's what brings stability to your life. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, that, that we are... We are continuing to grow, our image to grow of who you are. And whatever each one of us might be facing tonight, I thank you that we make a decision to go to the word. Go to the word because it's incorruptible. Go to the word. Hallelujah. Because it endures forever. We'll go to the word because it will cause us to grow. We will go to the word because it will cause us to change. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that we get a fresh image of who you are. And, Father, that when we're facing storms and we're going through things, Father, we'll stop looking at what we see in the natural and we'll allow our spiritual eyes to be open and we want to see what you see. We thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You receive that word tonight? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for this congregation. Lord, and I declare that they are winning in life. I declare whatever they're facing, whatever they're going through, whatever oppression they've been dealing with, whether it's loneliness, whether it's hurt, whether it's offense, whether it's financial. Father, I thank you, Lord, that they see you bigger tonight. I thank you that they see you as a God in whom nothing is impossible. Father, I declare that they are winning in life. I declare that they're coming up in every area of their life. I declare that they have vision for their life. They have vision for their future. And I declare the best days are ahead of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them a shout of praise, Jeremiah.